0: Hey, what's up? Happy New Year, Fervent Church. My name is Mike Rosado, lead pastor here at Fervent, and I'm excited that you decided to start off this brand new year with us, 2021. Welcome. And I just celebrated my birthday a few days ago. Yes, now I am this many. You, just, you, you remember you used to do that when you were a little kid? I'm, I'm this many. Now I'm this many. Um, And uh, getting better with age is what I would like to say. But um, we are going to keep this really brief because I know that many churches today are uh, skipping over this Sunday. But not Fervent Church. Why? Because we want to start the year off right. And I'm going to give you a brief introduction to this brand new series titled This Is the way. Where are all my Mandalorian fans? Where are my closet nerds at right now? Where are the, the public nerds, right? We all love the Mandalorian, and maybe you binge-watched it during the holiday season, and uh, I know I'm still actually playing catch-up, believe it or not, but they had this saying in this in the show, uh, this is the way, and it had me thinking about, man, what, what what if we had that same mantra where we were became people of the way? Believe it or not, Back in the early church, they weren't. They didn't call themselves Christians. They called themselves people of the way. What way? The Jesus way. And so I want to talk about what does it mean to live the fullness of life in regards to living the Jesus way. Because if we could live this next decade with that focus, um, man, I'm excited what could happen, uh, especially out of fervent church. Bill Gates had this brilliant quote um, And it's going to frame our conversation this morning. He said this. He goes, most people overestimate what they could do in one year and underestimate what they could do in 10 years. Isn't that true, folks? During this time, we know we've all done it. We've created a New Year's resolution. You have a goal. You had some goals for 2020, right? And all those goals went to crap because of the crappiness in 2020. And so we perhaps we overestimated what we could accomplish in a year, um, but I do believe it's true. I do believe that um, what Bill Gates is saying um, here is that, that we, we kind of underestimate what we could do in a decade, what we can accomplish in a decade. A lot can happen in a decade. And, and I believe that as we're transitioning into this new decade, the, the, the new roaring twenties, my wife told me the other day that um, there, because everyone's been in pajamas and staying at home that the, the style of the roaring 20s, you know, the 1920s are going to come back where everyone, you know, wore suits and three-piece suits and hats and everything like that. That's going to come back because people are swinging the pendulum to the opposite extreme and they want to look nice and look proper going out. And I hope that's true, man. I think I, I look pretty fly in a suit, in my suit and tie. But um, in this new decade that we're going into, the, the 2020s, um, what could we do? What could you do in a decade? We always like to think in regards to years, but what could we do in a decade? I don't know about you, but if you look back at the last decade, just just rewind the tape 10 years ago. Um, 10 years ago in, in, in 2010, 2011, um, I was a completely different person. Uh, in fact, to be vulnerable with you... Um, it was, it was right when God started tenderizing my heart. Um, for the longest time, I had a hard heart. I was, I was arrogant. I was prideful. I was devoid of, of humility. And, and so 10 years ago, I was this 30-year-old dude with a 5-year-old son um, believing that I could take on the world. I was working at another church, and it's in this time frame where God started softening my heart. And the way he softened my heart, if I'm really honest, is because a lot of bumps and bruises. He tenderized my heart. He pounded on my heart. Because sometimes, sometimes in order for you to be used by God, you have to be bruised by God. And so he allowed life to, to just hit me here and there and, and, and to come at me with different angles. And it tenderized my heart. I, I started growing with a soft heart. And as I started growing with my soft heart, he gave me this vision and he gave me this name. He gave me a vision of a church called fervent church. Um, and when he gave this to me, it it sparked and ignited a passion, um, for, for the future of church, a passion for, um, building on what the generations laid down before us and going further and, and better than what we ever have accomplished or ever dreamed or experienced. And so he put that vision in my heart. This was 10 years ago. Um, and I was working at another church. And when, um, when I told someone about the vision, um, they they kind of laughed, they kind of chuckled, and they didn't believe it. And in fact, um, when I was ready to leave and plant fervent church, they asked me, "Hey, you know what? It, it would be wiser if you just waited two years." So 2010, God put that vision in my heart, but I didn't start fervent until 2012. But think about it: 10 years ago, 10 years ago, um, it it started with seed, and then. Um, what what would have happened if I allowed doubt to come in? What would have happened if I listened to the naysayers and the haters when I shared that dream or vision? What would happen? Uh, now, fast forward 10 years to now, we wouldn't be where we are today. Um, we wouldn't be a, a two-location church. Uh, we wouldn't be a church with such a rich history of of bringing life back into places that that plateaued in growth. And we wouldn't be the family that we are today. I, I'm looking at some of the people who are currently attending, and I actually love you guys. I, I do. I really love you guys, and I, and I enjoy your company, and I can't wait to just have this regularity back in our lives where we could spend time together and laugh and, 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 and come together without the hindrance of, of mask and, and six feet of distance. And, and so we're in this church right now because of what has happened in a decade. The power, the power of 10 Is something phenomenal. In fact, um, some people look too deep into this, but um, the the number ten in scripture actually represents God's authority. It represents God's authority. We see it where, where back in the day, you could read about it in, in Ruth, that there were 10 elders that were placed in most of the cities at the gates of Israel um, because it was there to establish authority. And, and, and the number 10, remember, there's 10 commandments, God's authority. And and Jesus used 10 a lot. You know, he he used, in, in his parables, when he talked about the 10 virgins and the 10 lepers and the and the, and the 10 talents, you could read that in Matthew and Luke and and. And so the number 10 comes out pretty frequently. We have 10, 10 fingers and 10 toes, right? I wonder if 10 is the reason that, that, that he, he utilizes the number 10 is because we could definitely count up to 10. All of us or most of us are able to count up to 10, right? And so 10 represents God's authority. What would happen in this upcoming decade if we really lived out this life to the fullness under the authority of God? And not the authority of God that that you've heard of in the past where it filled us up with, with fear, like that scary fear, but it filled us up with reverence and respect enough that we could live the way he asked us to live, not adding our traditions to it, not adding my opinion to it, but really and truly abiding in the love and power of God. What would it look like if we did that? If we spend this next decade really focused on that. And so this is the way. Um, this is the way. So let's focus on what do we want this next decade to look like? Second Corinthians 12. I'm going to read from the message version. says it this way. He goes, because of this uh, of the extravagance of those revelations. And so I wouldn't get a big head. All right. This is the apostle Paul talking to the book. I mean, the, the city of Corinth and, and, um, he's talking about this this thing that is living in his life. Remember I said sometimes to be used by God, it must be bruised by him. And so, so Paul and, and just his phenomenal ability to start churches and to lead people and to develop people, God gave him something. Um, and this is his posture to it. He says, so I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger than of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of this as a gift. Man, at first, I did not think that 2020 was a gift. But what if we took on this posture that Paul took? He says, I didn't think of this as a gift. And beg God to remove it. I beg God to remove the pandemic. I beg God to remove my, my financial struggles. I beg God to remove my relationship struggles. I beg God to remove my mental struggles. But, but there, and, and Paul says, three times I did that. And then he told me, and this is what God told him. Then he told him, my grace is enough. It's all you need, my strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, Paul says, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. Let me say that again. I quit focusing on the handicap and I started appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving In all my weakness, now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, oppositions, bad breaks. Does that not summarize our year so far? I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. The weaker I get, the stronger I become. Become. You know what I think, folks? I think that in order for us to really live out this new way, um, I think that what we need to do is start focusing on not these obstacles, but these gifts that God has given us. That the next 10 years, it could be a gift, even with all the problems that might come our way. Why? Because there are times where we we confuse uh, an avenue of promotion... With a problem. Can I say that again? Sometimes we confuse an avenue of promotion with a problem. And I believe that the best way to make this decade, the decade of our lives, the decade that really puts the church and even you individually into the best position you could ever be in, is that if we just change our perspective and our attitude. Let me say that again. We need to change our perspective and our attitude attitude. There's a great quote. I don't know who who said it first, but it says, men are disturbed not by things, but by the view which they take of them. Have there been moments in your life because of our, again, perspective and our attitude where we say that things are hard? And the problem with hard is that hard is relative. It's a relative term. What's hard for one person is isn't really that hard for another person. So let's, let's start from there. with regards to our perspective and our attitude, that let's get rid of the terminology that this is hard, that phrasing, this is hard. What if we just said, wow, this is a gift? What if we <laughs> substituted this is hard with this is a gift? That will in turn change our perspective and our attitude towards the things that are coming our way in this decade. Again, when I say perspective or, or, or perceptions even, uh, a perception is how you receive things, how you're collecting things. It's, it's taking possession of the information, okay, our perspective. And so we need to take possession of of our doubt. We need to take possession of our questions. We need to take possession of our concerns and make sure that we have the right perspective and attitude in order to live this new way. Here's why. Because your perspective makes decisions over you. Your perspective makes decisions over you? The way you see God makes decisions over you. The way you see people makes decisions over you. The way you see your life makes decisions over you. How do you see God? How do you see people? How do you see your life? How do you see God? How do you see people? How do you see your life? Answer that question right now. How do you see God? How do you see other people? Is, are people in your life always a threat? Is, are you that kind of person that says, well, I just don't have, I'm not as lucky as everyone else. How do you see your life? Because those perspe- your perspective makes decisions over you. And, and even our perspective on God is really, really important, right? Many of us, if you grew up, right, your perspective makes decisions over you. You know, if you grew up in church, and I know a lot of people right now are deconstructing their faith, especially young people, they're deconstructing their faith. And I'm wondering, are you deconstructing your faith because you have a conviction uh, uh, that, that your journey needs to be explorative more and, and you need to find out why you believe what you believe? Or, or are, you, are you deconstructing your faith because the church has hurt you? Because the church has hurt you. And because, because people have hurt you, right? Because that's what church is. Church is people. So we say the church at large hurt me. No, just certain individuals within the church. Your perspective makes decisions over you, okay? Write this down. Your perspective shapes the way you ultimately respond. Your perspective shape the way you ultimately respond. John 8 says it this way. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free, okay? So if our perspective, if we have a true perspective, we walk in freedom, okay? If we have a false perspective, we walk in bondage. Woo, that's better than your commenting right now. Y'all get what I'm saying? If my, my perspective is true, I walk in freedom. If my perspective is false, I walk in bondage. Your perspective ultimately shapes the way you respond. In, even in our, our perspective of God, right? Um, most of us have these false pers- perspectives of God. Have you ever thought, well, God is distant? God is distant. He's not around. He might be with them, but he's not with me. That makes decisions over you. God isn't distant. He he is near to those who are brokenhearted. He is our ever-present help in time of need. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there you are with me. Your hand will guide me. God is everywhere at all times. He is not distant. It's my perspective of him. God is not angry. There's a back in the day there was a a church sign in Camden that said this, "Try Jesus and if you don't like him, the devil will take you back." <laughs> What an image of an angry God, of a snarky God, even. Um, God isn't angry. Maybe, does he get angry? Absolutely. But he's not an angry God. Remember, your perspective ultimately determines how you respond. God is not disappointed or unhappy. God is not religious and boring. Come on. These are all things that, me included, we've all felt. God is not limiting. He's not interested in limiting you. He's not interested in keeping you a small person. He's not interested in capping you everywhere you go. He's not a limiting God. In fact, he wants you. Jesus told us that we will do even greater things. He's not a limiting God. We need to change our perspective on the matter. And not only that, we need to change our attitude. Sometimes we, we could be so right. We could be so right in our, in our perspective. We could be so right with the truth. We could be so right with the facts. But you know what hijacks us being right is our attitude. Because with a bad attitude, we could be so right yet so wrong. Because of our attitude towards life. I think because of our attitudes, and I'm going to talk about this later, because of our attitudes in this series, I'm definitely going to dig deeper into this. Because of our attitude, I think sometimes people in the church can be so petty. Yes, I said it, petty. Petty because of our attitude. Our attitude is important. And here's why. I love it in the book of James where, where he tells us in, in James 1-2. He says, Count it all a joy. Count it a joy. Consider it a joy when you face trials of any kind. And the crazy thing about that is that you gotta understand the context of this book because this was during a time of persecution. This is during a time of trial. This is during a time of opposition. And the author has the audacity to tell believers people of the way, to consider it, to count it a joy. In other words, he says, change your attitude. Because what good is it if you have a good perspective if it does not followed with a good attitude, okay? So why is perspective and attitude important? I'm glad you asked. Number one, it's important because I've watched this happen too many times that you can be moved but never change your position. We could be moved oh, emotionally and never change our position in life. Pastor, that message moved me. Oh, pastor, that message made me cry. Oh, pastor, oh, man, I remember this and I remember that. And, and, and we could have experiences. I've, I've seen it happen so many times, and it, and it really does break my heart. People have these powerful encounters with God, or what it seems to be powerful encounters with God. Um, one Sunday, they could, they could applause the message. And then the next Sunday, uh, they could come with criticism and harsh attacks. And that's not me uh, playing the victim card. Um, that's just me giving you the honest assessment that there are times that we could be so caught up in our emotions, that we could be moved, quote unquote, moved, but never change our position. Again, I said this last week, and I'll say it again. What's the point of memorizing scripture if we forget how to act, if we don't change our habits and our behaviors? Um, I don't know who said this first, but um, psychology tells us that the two levers that set a man in motion, it's fear and self-interest. Um, how do I know this? Like the fear of dying could, could instantly change your eating habits, right? The, the, the fear of, of a, of a pandemic could, could finally have you cleaning your hands more and, and being observant uh, of, of your sanitation processes, right? So, so those two levers set us in motion. And so my prayer is that, um, that, that, that fear and self interest at the church, if we're gonna be people of the way, that, that we could replace those two. Like, even though psychology tells us fear and self interest, what if it's love and others' interests? Love and others' interests. And what if love, our perspective of love, can inspire us to, to, to move beyond our agenda, to move beyond our preferences, and to serve one another with such a capacity that really impacts and changes the world? okay, that that changes not only the world, but changes us in the meantime, changes us in the process, all right, because who cares if we have the feel-good moments during worship, if we walk away still with a bad attitude and a bad perspective. We could be moved, but never change our position. Number two, you can be blessed and still not be a blessing. You could be blessed and still not be a blessing. We, uh, one of these things that, that kind of irritates me a little bit, and maybe I'm being too real, but um, it's never a good conversation when someone starts off the conversation with their pastor saying, well, I've been a Christian for X amount of years. It never, It's never a good conversation. I've never, It's never ended well. Um, well, I've been, because they're, they're prefacing it with... Um, they, 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 they got all these blessings and, and, and they've heard all these messages and they have all these experiences and so forth and so on. Um, it's ne- it never ends up well. Um, Matthew 10, 7 to 8 says this, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then he says this, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. Let me see that again. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Here's the change. Here's why perspective and attitude need to change, and this is why it's important. Because I don't give a rip how long you've been doing this. I even stop saying, oh, I've been in ministry for 20 years. It doesn't matter, because to be honest with you, I don't know how many of those, I can't even tell you how many of those years, they were healthy ministry years, all right? That's just me being honest, okay? So, in in humility, maintaining the right perspective and the right attitude, the, the posture that we should have, forgetting about how long we've been a Christian, but... What if we switched it up to say this, okay, what have I received? Because this is what Jesus said, freely you have received, freely you give. So he says the kingdom of God is here. So he says, hey, go, heal the sick, raise the dead, do these great things, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely have you received. Why did he tell them that? He told them that because these are the things that they sat front row receiving. They sat front row. Some of them probably received those healing, right, receive that prayer. And so he says, freely, as, as much as you've been given, you need to give. In other words, as much as you've been blessed, now it's your turn to go be a blessing. So in other words, I'll say it this way. Whatever God has done for you, he wants to do through you. Whatever God has done for you, he wants to do through you. So it doesn't matter how many years you have invested. It's how, how many of those years has God gotten a good return of investment how many years, uh, whatever you've received, if you received healing, if you received words, are you giving those words? Not in pride, not, not in a way that's like show-offy, but in a way that's through humility. Since you've been blessed, now you want to return and be a blessing. Is anybody getting this today? All right. And so you, if you received it, now you need to give it. Give and it will be given unto you. Luke 6.38 says this. Give and it, it will be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, so notice it doesn't even talk about amount. It just talks about the measure of it. Okay, so if, if you've been blessed greatly, then you need to be a, you need to be a blessing to others greatly. If, if, you've been, if you've been given generously, then you need to be generous. If people have trust you, be trustworthy. If people have, have cared for you, be caring to others. Take inventory on what, the way God has blessed you and turn around and bless others. Again, it's perspective and attitude. Number three, without perspective and attitude, you can wait and still not be patient. You can wait and still not be patient. There are going to be times in this upcoming decade where you have to wait for certain things. And I know I'm an impatient person. That is. That is my Achilles heel. That is the cross I need to bear. That is my flesh when it when it's wild and, and and out of control and out of pocket. That is the number one place I need to really, really, really crucify and destroy that monster. Almost on a daily basis is my level of impatience. My level of impatience leads me to be insatiable. My level of impatience leads me to to be tempted almost every single day to be rash and to rush. But I need to crucify that. And there are times where I'm waiting and I could still be impatient and I could still wrestle with that inside. And, And here's what I know, that your character and integrity is based on your perspective of God. Your character and your integrity is based on your perspective of God. And so you might have heard that integrity is, is who you are when no one is looking. But the truth of the matter is God is everywhere at all times. So God always sees you everywhere you go. He is always looking. And so what I do in secret is a direct reflection of my perspective and attitude towards God. And so when I let God in, when I let the light into the dark parts of my heart, those impatient parts of my heart, That's when he really does the work. And so I might be waiting for something. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I'm waiting for some things to fall in place right now. I'm praying, I'm searching, I'm seeking, and I'm getting really impatient with God. But what creates more patience, believe it or not, isn't just the practice of waiting, because I got that down pack. I could wait, but internally, I'm like going nuts inside. Is anybody out there with me? Right? Right? What I need to do, I think the real way to produce patience is to focus on this gift, this opportunity to really study my perspective on God. Because the reason I'm impatient is because I don't understand that God is blessing me even in this time of waiting. I don't understand that God's working even when I don't see him working. I don't understand that God's loving even when I don't feel love in the waiting. And so my perspective, my opinion on God needs to change. And in turn, that will produce patience. Y'all getting this? So let me say this again. This is really going to help us out um, in the rest of the series. That your character and your integrity is based on your perspective of God. You know what I want, church? We'd like to make New Year's re- resolutions. Um, but can we make a decade resolution as a church here are the 10 things i want us to do this is our new decade resolution number one i want us to have this church in 10 years we're going to have the attitude of christ we're going to talk more about that in this series the attitude of christ Number two, we want to have the perspective of God. We want to see things the way God sees them. Number three, we want to have a heart for all types of people, not just people that look like us, for all types of people. Number four, I want us to be extraordinary but not weird. (laughs) Extraordinary but not weird. Number five, I want us to stop hoarding blessings. I want us to not just be blessed, but to be a blessing everywhere we go. You might have heard this phrase before, but people don't remember what you said more than they remember how you made them feel. Number six, be responsible for my healing. I want a church that's responsible for our individual healing. We always want to put it off on someone else. But if we were responsible for our healing. If you've been hurt, be responsible for your healing. Take responsibility. Put it in God's hands. And you're going to have to put it in God's hands multiple times. That's okay. But at the end of this decade, could we be a church that's responsible for our healing? Number seven, can we be a church that has fun serving? We have fun serving people. Let's make church fun again, daggone it. And enjoyable. Number eight, to live a life poured out. Meaning that, like, everything we do, we we, we just leave it all there. When we worship, we leave it all there. When, we, when we're when we out serving the community, we leave it all there. A life poured out before God. Number nine, that we love on a new level. That we love beyond convenience, beyond pain, beyond preferences. That we love on a new level. And number ten, and this is our purpose statement, but but I feel like it's appropriate to put it here, that we experience powerful moments together. Because I believe that if we do num- one through nine... We'll, we'll experience real powerful moments together. So we might overestimate what we could do in a year, but let's not underestimate what we together can do in a decade. Can we be a church, And dare I say, I'm gonna put it out there, that not only do we make our current churches healthy, Voorhees, Sewell, online, healthy and growing, That we plant churches that plant churches. That we raise leaders that raise leaders. That we encounter powerful moments to see people that have never encountered the love of God. And we watch them and play a part in them experiencing the tangible love of Jesus for the very first time. What could we do in a decade? We could do a lot. He's already done a lot. So let's believe that. Amen.